I'm Suzanne Syracuse. Welcome to my podcast, Focused on the Future, Keys to Building a Profitable, Sustainable, and Impactful Business. And I'm excited to be partnering with wealthmanagement.com on this. The series will focus on what firms need to embrace to ensure their growth and success for the future. And you'll hear from industry leaders and advisors on what is working for them. I have a great lineup of guests in store, and today I'm speaking with Terry Shepard. Terry is the president of the Carson Group. The Carson Group has created an ecosystem dedicated to helping financial advisors unleash the full potential of their firms by providing marketing, compliance, technology, investment strategies, succession planning, M&A support, and coaching. The firm currently manages over $32 billion in AUM and serves more than 48,000 families among its advisor network of over 140 partner offices. Those are some numbers. So welcome, Terry, and thank you so much for being my guest. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Oh, thank you so much, Suzanne, for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here and visit with you. Great, 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 great. Well, I always like to open up the podcast with a little bit about how my guests had gotten into the wealth management industry. More often than not, it's by accident. So what was your journey like? How did you get to where you are now? Well, it was completely by accident. Uh, So I'm not going to break your trend. Um, so I started out, I got an accounting degree while I was in college. I wanted to go into finance, but I was told that, you know, it's hard to get a job in finance. And if you stick to the basics of accounting, you'll always have a job. So that's what I did. I went, um, worked at a CPA firm for a couple of years and then went into the corporate world. And at that time, it happened to be a startup company, uh, where they were starting a broker dealer and an RIA They had about 50 advisors when I joined. And I was there for 10 years. And over that time, they really grew to have about 500 advisors. And so I started as a senior accountant there. And really within a couple of years, I was the CFO and and gradually became the COO, CFO, executive vice president. And uh, that really happened because I know, Suzanne, you and I have talked many times about just women in the industry and the importance of male allies. And I was very blessed where I really experienced a male ally at that firm that said, you, I'm, I would love to have you help me. And I'd love to have you work with me. And he gave me the opportunity. He was the president of the firm and he really asked me to come and join meetings to help run them. I was effectively his chief of staff, but also very much involved on the financial side. And so I got a view of the whole business and I was asked to help in a lot of different ways and areas. And so I just was really given a huge opportunity because of his allyship. Um, Of course, that came with a lot of hard work and (laughs) encouraged, but I think a lot of women, given that opportunity, you you dig in and you, you take those opportunities when they come. Uh, so after I left there, 08, 09 hit, uh, you know, that was an interesting time in our industry for all of us. And oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fun time. <laughs> yes, at the time, I actually left that firm and I went and worked at a biotech industry firm. And because I, I just wanted to get out of the financial industry. It was just a, a challenging time. And I will say I was only there for a year and a half before 
I really missed just working with independent advisors. You know, the, the entrepreneurial spirit, the love of the financial industry, I really missed it. So I happened to get a call from Carson Wealth and they were hiring a COO, CFO role. And that, you know, at the time, Ron's firm was uh, a billion in assets. And he had the coaching firm that had about a thousand advisors. And he was talking about starting his own RIA. And so could I come and join that firm and really help them build out the institutional side of the business? So it's been, I've been here now for 11 years. And again, I had great male allyship in that whole journey over the last 12 or 11 or 12 years. And it's been a great journey. What an interesting story in terms of that connection with male allies and the importance of them. And I know we're going to, we're going to be talking about that uh, later in the podcast, but just how your personal experience, how that that's affected you. And, and I think you are so paying it forward in so many ways around helping others. And I love that you saw that, that gentleman brought you in so you could see everything from a very unique vantage point. So love that. And again, you didn't break trend where very few people study to become a financial advisor. Um, we're, we're hoping that, that uh, those numbers start to increase. But again, most people get here by accident and then don't want to leave. So thanks for sharing your journey. I love that. So this, this podcast is all about the future and what firms and individuals need to do to be successful now and in the future. So what are some key areas that you're focused on at Carson to serve current and future advisors and their clients? Yeah, you know, our overall strategy, Suzanne, if if people know Ron Carson, you know, who has been a successful advisor, you know, we're really, we really built our foundational business strategy around come to Carson and be like Ron, you know, help, he can, he's proven to grow and we'll teach you how to grow and what we're really shifting to right now is we want to help advisors tell their story, right? It's not that how Carson does it, but it's more about, we always ask the question, what can we improve, develop, or change for you? You know, independent advisors, they want different things. Some of them want to grow. Some of them want to enjoy their lifestyle. And so our focus has been rather than kind of build one way of doing things, it's meeting advisors where they're at and helping them then thrive with where they're at. So, you know, today's financial advisor really is about how to achieve your financial goals and, you know, find that comprehensive planning. We really are focused on filling out that full suite of services so that our advisors are really financial coaches, that we can help clients live a better life. You know, developing that trust and simplicity, having that empathy when you meet with them, because the demands of the advisor with just, they're really a financial therapist. You know, there's so many things that are happening in everyone's lives. They have to be empathetic and they have to be able to provide solutions in that way. So Suzanne, just a few things here to on how we're doing that. You know, we're focusing a lot on just social and values-based initiatives. We are I'll, I'll talk a little bit about an investment strategy that we just launched recently, but we are very, very focused on opening up our investment platform. I think in our past, we really had a small lineup and now we're really opening that up so that advisors can, can have access to that. So just our broader strategy has, is more about 
expanding out rather than come here and be like Carson. And so that advisors can be their true self and deliver those services for their clients. Yeah, I love that. And then what, um, so other than some of the investment uh, solutions that you're expanding, what about some of the various different types of technology that go along with allowing advisors to provide more comprehensive services? Are you guys also expanding that kind of suite in your uh, in in your firm? We are. We do. We really have our client experience. Uh, that is our our custom experience for our clients. We're mm-hmm. continuing to build that out. So we've really pulled in a lot of planning features within that. Uh, we also have a game plan that we present to clients. So think of uh, if I'm preparing for a meeting with you, Suzanne, and you're my client, you're just uploading documents that I may need into your portal. I'm you're you're asking me questions. We're interacting through that in preparation for our meeting. And I can update your financial plan based on everything that you put in there and in its real time. Then when you come in, a lot of our back office capabilities, we're interacting, but then we're updating things in the back office so that when you come in and meet with me, I'm pulling up a presentation, which is what we call our game plan. And all of the new scenarios are showing you what the impact of these things are. There's notes on there. There's interactions. We always have a a timeline where I I reference last time we met, here's what we talked about here. Here's where we're at today. What else has happened? So we really try to bring more of that, you know, here's the life events Mm -hmm. and tying those into the emotional side of things and the, how do I connect with my clients and be empathetic, tie that to the science on the back end and making that as simple as possible. That's a lot of our focus. You know, we know that advisors that spend 70% or more of their time in front of clients with client-facing activities, they grow significantly faster. And so that's what our whole focus, you know, we've we've been a coaching firm. So we're about practice management and those best practices. So how can we simplify the back office and tell the story effectively to the client and make sure that those are all connected so that we're con- we can deliver that story? and that value to the client. Yeah, that's so important. And that makes so much sense. It's also, I would think, a benefit to the advisors that work for you guys that you're kind of doing a lot of that due diligence and um, kind of the heavy lifting on the implementation and the testing of that technology that allows for those deliverables. So it allows them more time to spend with their clients. That's right. That's right. And, and we are connected with various technologies. We're always looking for the next new, mm-hmm. but we're really then plugging it into our overall experience and, and adding those features to it. Yeah, that's great. I think that that's really a critical piece to that growth and profitability is order, in order to really kind of scale your business in a way that allows you to also provide more value to your clients is like the mm-hmm. holy grail. Um, right. And I and definitely technology is is one of those ways. So it sounds like you guys are really investing in that. You know, another thing that you're investing in is really about the conscious effort that you're making um, to support women in our industry and also women clients, women investors. So for example, you just released research 
on the state of women in wealth management. So I'd love for you to maybe talk a little bit about that, maybe provide some key takeaways from that research, but also maybe start with the why. Why did you guys decide to invest and provide this for the entire industry, not just for your own firms? Yeah, you know, Suzanne, I think we all know that their wealth is going to be transferring and women are going to hold an estimated 30 trillion in assets in, you know, by the year 2030. And that's a significant amount. And our research, one of the findings is that 70% of women will leave the advisor they have today after their spouse or loved one passed away. Uh, they will move to a different advisor if you don't stay engaged with that woman. And so the stats also tell us that there's 15 to 20% of women that are financial advisors in our industry. So there's a huge shortage. And we all know that women play an instrumental role in our society, right? I mean, we, we care for others. Uh, we coach, mentor, love, and train many people around us. And so if I think about, you know, just the connection that I can make with a woman uh, when I'm making financial decisions, especially when my spouse isn't in the picture anymore or my loved one. You know, I'm, I'm really looking for someone that understands who I am and where I'm at and can help me navigate that, especially if I'm not real smart with financial decisioning and running my family from a financial standpoint. So I want that connection and that's almost more important to me and I think that's some of the research as well. It's almost more important the connection that you have and the trust that you develop with that person that helps them drive that those decisions. Um, so with, with women playing such an important role, we really looked around and said, there's just not enough women. And, you know, this isn't just a Carson challenge. This is an industry challenge. And I think we really felt compelled to do something you know, I think diversity is something there's been a lot of change in, in the world the last several years here, right? Um, yeah, just with diversity. And, and I think that we've always been a firm that wants to take action. Let's not just talk about it, but let's take action and do something about it. And so that's what really led us to that point. And I'll, I'll turn it back over to you and you can ask you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about what we're doing. Yeah, I would love like what were like some of the key um, takeaways from the research? Yeah, so one of the key pieces of research uh, was that there's plenty of mentorship in our space, but there's not enough sponsorship. And I do think that that's really important, especially for this next generation that's coming in. Mentorship really is me saying, hey, Suzanne, I'd love to just listen to you, what's important to you. And I get your feedback. And then I give you a little bit of coaching on what you could do about it. But once we're done talking, you're you're walking out the door and you have to go represent yourself and apply those learnings yourself. You know, really sponsorship is what so many women need right now. And sponsorship is me taking my my influence and my relationships and connecting you with them and really representing to others like, hey, George, you need to meet Suzanne. She is so amazing. 
and she can really help you with what you're having challenges with. And so I'm going to introduce you. I'd love for you to connect with her on this and and talk to her. If, if you're a financial advisor, Suzanne, I'd say, you know, she can really help you with your financial plan. And I think you should connect with her. And I, I trust her more than anyone else. So, you know, just that is a true sponsor where you're, you're helping expand that sponsoree's influence. Um, so that's one thing. A second thing on the research, which really bothers me, Suzanne, is, is that we talked about the queen bee syndrome and really what is that? And we're very passionate. I'm very passionate. I know you are as well. Just that as, as women and just people, we need to come together. We need to build strong cultures and communities with others in our workplaces. And what a queen bee syndrome, it's really it, it's something that's happened to women uh, that have been around the old boys club. And that's really what they call it, queen bee syndrome. And that is like, they've been around the good old boys club for so long that they've kind of become their own I don't, personality within that environment where they've had to do what they had to do just to survive because they're not part of that club. And what that does, it, it, it completely isolates them from any ability to help other women who might be up and coming or appear. They don't even help that woman. You know, they, they're not even mentoring or sponsoring, but they almost work against that person because they want to be the queen bee and nobody else can come close. And so that is something that I, I've known a few women like that um, in my career. And I think that it's just really important that we are all very vocal in the fact that, you know, that that isn't okay. And we as women need to represent other women in our profession and, and in our cultures and in our workplaces every day and help them see that, hey, I mean, let me step back here a little bit, Suzanne. I didn't see a woman, you know, in in a position of authority in a lot of places that I worked um, or a high ranking position. They were all men. And so I think it's so important now that we do have women that are in those positions that we're able to represent those young ladies and help them see that it's possible and help coach, mentor, train and sponsor them to give them that opportunity. But that's just the queen bee syndrome doesn't allow those women to do that. And so I think it's just so important that the women that are in those positions today are not at all that way. That That's, that's old school. We got to do away with that so that we get the right people in the right places to represent us all well. Yeah. Those are two really great highlights, not great, but they're important highlights, I should say, um, to know that those are still issues. And, you know, with the queen bee syndrome, I think almost everyone, every woman has has had one of those in, in their life. And it was due to almost like survival of the fittest, right? Where back in the day, there was like the token woman. And so like that kind of behavior 
manifests itself in saying, I got to protect my territory. And so nobody else, I can't, we can't have another woman. It's only one woman. And I think that that's becoming less and less as the new generation is coming in. And those that are, that are in leadership roles now are, are, had less and less of that experience, but, and then the sponsorship part too. I mean, you're a direct recipient of someone that was an actual sponsor, not just a mentor. So really, I, I, I think it's a, one of the definitions is to to talk about you and to advocate for you when you're not in the room. So right. uh, I think that that's those are two really good highlights. And those are those are things that people can really watch out for and look in, look out for um, to ensure that that they're paving the way for advancing women into um, this profession and also just in, in business in general. That's great. Those are great bits of key takeaways. Um, so you're also supporting women in, in other ways. And one of the areas that I love is that you've developed out, um, you kind of alluded to it earlier, a new investment fund focused on women CEOs. So tell me about what that is and how and why did that become a priority from an investment philosophy? Yeah, well, there's many reasons, but let me tell you where it started. Uh, we always have client advisory councils and the best thing you can do sometimes is just sit down, take some time. Uh, even when you it feels like you're too busy, sit down with your clients and just learn. And so we actually had our a women's council and listen to them and tried to learn more about what we could do for them. And they asked us, you know, do you have anything that really helps represent women? And I was really sad to say that we didn't have anything specific to women. And so we went and we really searched, you know, what could we do with this? And and our overall strategy, Suzanne, is that we believe supporting women in leadership, it isn't just an ethical imperative, it's a strategic necessity. And I so appreciate our board and the leadership here at this firm and our willingness to do that um, and take a stand for that. So this is a unique fund that enables our clients to invest in companies that are led by women and they are women CEOs. And so our investment team is looking for those firms that are successfully growing. And, and I'm happy to say the performance has been really good. When you do a little bit of research, you know, the largest 19 publicly traded U.S. companies all have male CEOs. Thankfully, the 20th ranking one is a woman. And uh, that's Oracle CEO of Safra Katz. And, and she's pretty amazing. But we just want to continue to support those organizations. And we do. Um, that's that's one of the initiatives that we felt like we could back mm -hmm. and make sure that we invested in. And it's something that our clients were also asking for. Yeah. You know, it's that's, again, become a really consistent theme on this podcast this year is just what some of the um, some of the investors and clients are asking for as it relates to um, investment focused uh, types of vehicles that support their values or support mm -hmm. specific areas that are the that they want to support. So um, I, th I think it's really, really smart, really curious. Is there any one sector? And I didn't know that about like the 20 largest companies, only one as a CEO, only one woman CEO. That's pretty terrible. Um, 
Are there any specific sectors that seem to that that you're heavier in um, from an investment standpoint as it relates to female CEOs? Yeah, the actually the best sector for us has proven to be the tech sector. And I think that sometimes women in tech, we have found that that can at times be hard to find. But I do think that they're out there. And I think that's one of our largest emerging areas that we see. And I would say finance is also an area where we've seen some expansion and growth on that side as well. So, uh, but tech is by far the largest sector with 19% right now for us. And so, you know, we want to see more diversity across all of those sectors, but but that one gives us the, the most options today. Okay. That's really interesting. I, I guess not surprising, but just again, really, really interesting and kudos to you guys for, for doing that. So Continuing on the uh, the the women theme, you're one of the few female presidents of a large firm in our industry, and I know that that comes with quite a bit of responsibility, including highlighting and advocating for some of the programs that we just discussed. So again, thank you for being such a great role model. And you know, one area that's also really important that you alluded to earlier is involving men as male allies in these discussions. So what advice do you have for the men listening? Because we still have a large uh, percentage of those in the wealth management ecosystem are men. So what advice do you have for them to be better allies and advocates for women in our industry? Yes. You know, I think that's a great question, Suzanne. As I said, I have been so blessed by so many wonderful male allies. And I think the best thing that men can do is just listen and learn. I think that very often, if we just listen and learn uh, and meet people where they're at, then we can emerge and evolve <laughs> and and really understand how to help them. Number one, I would say just being a sponsor, the way that I described it. You know, when I was talking earlier about the gentleman that took me from as a senior accountant and just said, Hey, come with me. I want you to help me lead this organization. Like that's a lot of faith, <laughs> but you know, he, he saw something in me, which I do think you and I have worked with many people over the years. And you do sometimes with certain people, you just see something in them. Mm-hmm. And so I think just taking those moments and learning more about them and putting them in a position that can, they can learn and grow from and that challenges them. Because what I can say is those moments, people rise to the occasion. And uh, I think that giving those opportunities to people is so important. So I would say that's number one. Number two, I think that don't feel awkward. I think so many People, they don't want to say the wrong thing sometimes. I think I actually, Suzanne, have heard so many men say, I want to help, but I don't know how to help. I don't know where to start. You know, I want to try to find more female advisors, but I don't know where to go or how to find them. And I think that you just being someone that, you know, visits with women and learns more about them, put yourself in the places where they go, you know, where women advisors are and just learn more about who they are, what works for them and what you could do to help recruit a woman to your office. You know, I think sometimes uh, those are, those are really opportune moments. 
advocates for women in our industry, I think we don't always realize that sometimes the things that we say and the things that we do, how, how they impact others. And I think that we really need to help women just feel a sense of ownership and belonging. Uh, and that's probably the most important thing. And so just if you're a male ally, you, you know it because uh, others are, are drawn to come work with you and enjoy learning and building a business with you. And um, so. Those are, I know, and that's, uh, that's great advice. Um, You know, we just were at the Excel represent conference that, that you and several other industry uh, firms like Fidelity and and Mariner and Financial Independence Group um, put together for women in this industry. And we did a panel with, with male allies talking about some of the things and strategies that they're doing. And I think like, it was such a learning experience for them to be at an event where there were, you know, <laughs> 99% of the people there were were women. And it was probably the first time that they were not the majority at any event in this industry. And I think that ability to see it from that perspective was very educational for them. So I would say to the men that are listening get yourself uncomfortable and go to a woman's event in our industry. And, and you may not, you may, you will walk away with maybe a little bit of a different impression about how you can be an ally, you know, for those that, that think, Oh, there's no problem. Women get, you know, the same benefits and they, you know, they're, why are we talking about this still? Even at that event, there were especially younger women that were working at different organizations that felt they didn't feel like they had a male ally. We act, we actually asked, we did a poll, a, a poll from the audience on whether or not you had a male ally or a male supporter in your in your life at the time. And 20% or something said no. And while that may seem like a low statistic, it's still 20% do not have someone at their firm that is supporting them. That that's a that's a male. So we've got to we've got to get that to zero. Um, so great advice. Thank you for for sharing that. Um, and just a couple other the ability to ha- have flexibility in your in in work as well as women love training and coaching. That's why it's uh, really great that you guys have the coaching arm because I'm I'm sure that is very welcomed by almost all of the advisors, but especially your your female advisors. Yes. Um, you know, Susan, just one thing from last year's uh, study that really came out is, you know, if you are a male advisor and you're looking for a female, like even just bringing them in at whatever level and just encouraging them, you know, having them in client meetings, a big part of the research was women, they they struggle with compensation models that are low base, high incentive, you know, they feel more comfortable with the higher base. And so sometimes that's hard as a business owner and as a financial advisor, but it's the teaming approach. If you can really get that female advisor, our our studies even said, you know, if you have that team approach and it's a a male and female mix, you're going to retain those clients because you have that representation. And so that's a huge part of why we're doing that. And it's so key. So just keep your eyes open, listen, learn, 
go to a women's conference. I totally agree, Suzanne. We had some of our wonderful male advisors. You know, Russ Neeland is just a, a wonderful male ally in our space. And he just acquired a firm that was women owned. And he, he said, Terry, I want to come to the conference because I want to learn how to be better for her and, and help more, you know, and those are the kind of gentlemen that we need uh, really to help us, you know, and, and represent us that way. I love that. That's a great example. That's a perfect example. And it's not that hard to do. You know what I mean? So there's there's plenty of things. We just spent, you know, uh, you know, over five minutes talking about ideas. So I I think that there's plenty of things for men to do now. We we just need them to act on it. Um, and we would appreciate that. So now we're at our last question. And I always ask uh the guests the same one. Um, with the title and the theme of the podcast, focused on the future. He's to building a profitable, sustainable, and impactful business in mind. What is your last line? What key takeaway do you want to leave our audience with today? Now, Suzanne, I would say constantly challenge yourself. Continue to learn and grow and develop into the best version of yourself. Because if you listen to others and get their feedback, I just think you can emerge a much better person. I think that applies to the diversity pieces that we just talked about today. You got to change and grow and continue to evolve as a business. And I think it starts with you uh, as a person. I love that. I think that is at the core of everything. And sometimes it can be scary. Oh, this is the way I've always done it. But if you don't, you know, challenge yourself to be a little bit better, to do things a little bit differently, you can get stale and um, I don't think it's the best thing for a business. So I absolutely love that last line. That's great. And um, I really appreciate you um, thinking about that and, and also just being on. Again, thank you so much for being my guest today and for sharing what's working for you and your firm as you look towards the future. And personally, thank you for all you're doing in advocating for women advisors and investors. It's so, so critical. I'm Suzanne Syracuse. Thanks for listening. And I hope this episode leaves you feeling even more excited to be focused on the future. Mm-hmm.